Hello, podcast listeners. For this Sunday's sermon, we will explore the scene where Elijah ascends into heaven in a whirlwind. Primarily, I explore the relationship between Elijah and his disciple Elisha, and this is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. This week, we'll be looking at 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1-12. through 12. This would have been the 9th century before Christ, and so we have a divided monarchy of Israel and Judah. Elijah is at the end of his career as a prophet, and Elisha, his disciple, is trying to prepare for his departure. And so let us attend to this good word. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, "'Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel.' But Elisha said, "'As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you.' So they went down to Bethel." The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. A company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them, as they were both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to the one side and to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing, yet if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not... It will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And let us pray. Lord, we find ourselves in denial in our lives. We often disregard what is for what we prefer. Help us to take heart that you help us through all the changes. As we dwell in this passage for a moment, let our meditations take root for who you call us to be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we remember the disciples, Peter, James, and John, going with Jesus to witness the transfiguration, they get a little flustered. If you saw your rabbi on a hill conversing with two of the heroes of your faith, you'd get flustered too. So we have to give them a break. Peter says, let's just stay up here forever. And we want our highlights to last forever, or at least a little bit longer. I wish they weren't so fleeting. And we want the significant moments to come more often. When we are faced with something greater than the mundane, we find the significance clarifying. I think it has to do with wanting to matter. We want to make a difference in the world. I love today's story about Elijah being taken up in a whirlwind. It is certainly a majestic end to his career. It's interesting that we can 
almost see his disciple Elijah like a puppy dog in the passage today. Elijah tells him to stay behind more than once. Is he becoming a pest? Why is he brushing him off? It's almost like he's trying to break up with him, but he's just not taking the hint. What may be going on is that staying with Elijah could be dangerous. It seems like everybody knew that Elijah was going to be taken up into heaven. And in that day and age, being in God's presence was considered dangerous, especially seeing God face to face. Do you remember when Jacob wrestles with God in Genesis all night? 32.30 states, So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. Moses was also afraid to look at God. When God spoke to him out of the burning bush, Exodus 3.6 comments that Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Later in chapter 33, we see mixed references about this. First, it claims that God and Moses often spoke face to face. But then we see God say in verse 20, You cannot see my face, for no one shall see me and live. And it's kind of a mixed message, and that was due to the combining of two different ancient traditions that were surrounding this story. But we do understand that they certainly had a tradition that God is holy, and this means that God is so sacred that God is truly other. To fully witness the other consumes a normal mortal. And this may have been why Elijah three times asked Elisha to stay behind. He's afraid he'll be burned up in this divine encounter. But Elisha persists. In our search for meaning, it may be that we need to pursue the face of God, even though it may be costly. This being Valentine's Day, I feel the need to share a story, specifically one of the legends of Valentinus of Rome, whom we know more affectionately as St. Valentine. He was a priest in the Roman Catholic Church in the third century. Now, this was before the church had a lot of clout in Italy, and Valentine ministered to the persecuted during this time. One of the stories ascribed to him was that he was willing to secretly marry Roman soldiers to their sweethearts in violation of Emperor Claudius's orders. Claudius had marriage, marriages banned during wartime to encourage his troops to be less hesitant on the battlefield. So Claudius finds out about this and has Valentine arrested. So as the legend goes, Valentine told his jailer Asterius how Christ leads pagans out of the shadows of darkness and into the light of truth and salvation. So Asterius told him if he could heal his foster daughter from blindness, that he would convert. Valentine covered the young woman's eyes with his hands and said, Lord Jesus Christ, enlighten your handmaid because you are God, the true light. At that, she regained her sight. Asterius and his family were baptized according to their agreement. But when the emperor heard about the news, he ordered Asterius and Valentine both to be executed. Before his death, Valentine sent a note to the woman encouraging her to stay in the faith, and he signed it, Your Valentine. Now, while this has encouraged romantics ever since, legend tells us that 46 members of Asterius's family were baptized. Furthermore, Asterius also freed all of the Christians who were confined in his prison. So Elisha pursued the face of God even though it might have killed him. Valentine was also willing to do the same thing. And ultimately, the pursuit of being loving to others moves the world. Now, another important fact that we may not take notice of is the fact that Elijah crosses the Jordan River at Jericho. Do you know who else crosses the Jordan at this very point? 
It was all the people of God, the 12 tribes of Israel, after wandering in the desert for 40 years. Joshua 3 recounts this initial crossing. So Elijah crosses at a place of significance and on dry ground, just as the Israelites did when they crossed it with Joshua the first time. As they were led by God into the promised land, now Elijah is led back out of it, signifying to him that as his journey as the leader of God's people comes to an end. Interestingly enough, the Gospel of John has Jesus being baptized near this very place. It makes sense that John the Baptist would have selected a place marked with significance. And so we remember the tradition that to look at God is death, and it is in a way, it is death of the self as we are born again in Christ. We understand differently. We see differently. We act differently. If you survive, it means you have incorporated this new birth into your life. It is not incongruous, but rather it fits better than ever before. And yes, some of the old things must fall away because they are no longer life-giving. But in order to understand who we have now become, we must revisit our past and see who we really are. Elijah is nodding to his own history by going to this spot. Our past can inform us and give us strength to face current challenges. I like the movie Hacksaw Ridge, which came out in 2016, and it features the story of Desmond T. Doss, who won the Congressional Medal of Honor despite refusing to bear arms during World War II on religious grounds. Doss was a Seventh-day Adventist who refused violence and working on the Sabbath. But he enlisted in the Army as a combat medic because he believed in the cause. At first, the Army wanted nothing to do with him, and his fellow soldiers considered him a pest, questioned his sincerity, and threw shoes at him while he prayed. Doss's commanding officer, Captain Jack Glover, tried to get him to be transferred. In a documentary based on Doss's life, Glover says that Doss told him, Don't ever doubt my courage, because I'll be right by your side saving life while you take life. At Okinawa in the spring of 1945, Doss's company faced a grueling task. Climb a steep, jagged cliff, sometimes called Hacksaw Ridge, to a plateau where thousands of heavily armed Japanese soldiers were waiting for them. The terrain was treacherous, and under a barrage of gunfire and explosions, Doss crawled on the ground from wounded soldier to wounded soldier. He dragged severely injured men to the edge of the ridge, tied a rope around their bodies, and lowered them down to other medics below. In the documentary, Doss says, I was praying the whole time. I just kept praying, Lord, please help me get one more. Veteran Carl Bentley, who was also at Hacksaw Ridge, once said, It's as if God had his hand on Doss's shoulder. It's the only explanation I can give. Private First Class Desmond T. Doss saved 75 men, including his captain, Jack Glover, over a 12-hour period. The same soldiers who shamed him now praised him. He was one of the bravest persons alive, Glover says in the documentary. And then to have him end up saving my life, it was ironic. What gave him the strength to endure that awful night? He was certainly afraid and could have been killed at any time. I think it was how he embraced his past, that his prayer life as a child lifted him up and gave him strength to go on and save so many. What are the stories that have informed who you are? What have you endured that you can incorporate into your own story of faith? Finally, I always had trouble as a kid when Elijah asked his disciple what he wants and Elisha asked for a double share of his spirit. 
I misunderstood and thought he was saying, I want to be twice as good as you are, Elijah. <laughs> and that sounds kind of selfish if you don't understand the context of Jewish inheritance. I mean, if Elisha were twice as good as Elijah, why doesn't Elisha show up during Jesus' transfiguration? Well, Deuteronomy 21.17 speaks of inheritance and indicates that the firstborn shall receive a double portion. So this means if you had two sons, you divide your inheritance into thirds. The younger son gets one-third, and the older receives two-thirds, a double portion. If you had three sons, you divide it into fourths. And so the two younger sons each receive one-fourth, and the eldest gets a half, which is two-fourths, a double portion. The more sons you have, the less advantage it is over the other brothers. So what Elisha is really asking is to have the double portion of Elijah's spirit or the portion granted to the firstborn. He wants to be acknowledged as the chief inheritor out of all the prophets. Remember, we saw 50 of the company of prophets go down to the River Jordan. And Elisha is saying, in a sense, I want to carry on in your place. In our search for meaning, sometimes we have to step up in leadership. Give me the ball. I want to take the shot. Back on December 26, 2004, there was a terrible earthquake and tsunami in the Indian Ocean that devastated the surrounding countries. And Rebecca O'Connor first saw the horrific after images when she was working as a night shift as a pediatric nurse at New York Presbyterian Hospital. She said, I felt compelled to do something. So she flew to Sri Lanka for a two-week medical relief mission trip. They set up a clinic in downtown Sri Lankan mosque and saw 40 to 100 patients every shift. Respiratory problems and foot and leg wounds caused by stepping on debris when wading through the water were the most common ailments that they treated. O'Connor and the others soon discovered they were less than a mile away from a local hospital and another large clinic. She questioned a Sri Lankan friend, why are so many people coming to us? The friend said, because at the hospital somebody asked name, age, complaint, and then they gave them a sheet of paper and they tell them to go wait somewhere. But you sit them down, and you ask them what's wrong, and you treat them. You listen to them. Rebecca O'Connor summed it up. It seemed that the most valuable therapy we were providing had nothing to do with antibiotics or wound care. By listening to story after heartbreaking story, admiring pictures of families once happy and healthy, and playing soccer with children who lost everything, we were able to say, we care about you, and we share in your grief without speaking a word. In times of crises, Christian leadership steps up. You may not be a trained physician or a skilled nurse, but you can listen to people. Reaching out to someone just through a phone call may be just what they need. And if you've been feeling especially lonely, if you've been isolating alone, think of someone else in our church who's in the same boat and give them a call. I bet they would be glad to hear from you. So as we share in Transfiguration Sunday, we remember the story of Elisha, who was willing to step up during a great change, a crisis for their people. The great Elijah was being taken up. We remember also how Peter, James, and John went down the mountain with Jesus, even though they would have preferred to remain. May God grant us this same fortitude today. May you see the face of God and be changed. Amen.